Everybody, and welcome to True Stories of Tinseltown. And I hope everybody is just swell and groovy and all that kind of stuff. And I have a fabulous guest for you today. Her name is Joan Renner, and she has a wonderful blog called Tell Us Joan Deranged LA Crimes. It's fabulous, you guys. I'm going to link it up for you, and you are going to get lost in it because it has deranged LA crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And there are so many. I'll, I'll never run out of material. No, ever. it's so great. I, t- I was telling Joan when I first found it, because I was looking at places for really good, because I love true crime, and looking up a place for true crime, and then I saw Deranged. I said, I'm there. <laughs> I, I stayed and watched it for like an hour. I read it for an hour and a half. I even subscribed to you, but it Thank didn't. You. it didn't come. I never got it. Oh, well, let me look into that. Because, you know, the Internet's a mysterious place. I still, still weird things happen I can't explain. You were shunning me, Joan, admit it. <laughs> no, no, never in a million years. I'm not, I'm not, I'll never be at any point where I can afford to shun readers. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> never yeah. happened. <laughs> so today we are talking about, this is not like a murder crime or anything, but it's about someone I, who I think is such a beloved figure in classic Hollywood, Clara Bow. And why don't you tell us what this crime was? It was a crime of theft, really. Um, it was, it seemed like it might be embezzlement. There was, uh, I, it was between Clara Bow and her secretary, her former hairdresser who became her secretary and kept her books for her. And uh, her name was Daisy DeVoe. She changed it to Daisy DeVoe at someone's suggestion. And uh, they were about the same age. And so they became very close because Clara, I think she, fame is kind of isolating in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, big time. And and for Clara, especially, you know, I mean, she was a rough and tumble, tumble girl from, you know, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yes. And so, you know, and, and she had the, you know, she had the whole accent and thing going on. It didn't matter in silent films. And the camera loved her. She oh. had a real presence. She was an it girl, man. She was the it girl. She had, oh, without a doubt. You know, I don't watch many silents, but I did see it. And she is just so adorable and just oh, those big eyes and just everything. I love Claire and I love her personality. I love everything I've read about her, you know, and all the stupid rumors. And all that stuff. Yeah, we can put those to rest. I, 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 I know the genesis of, a, of some of the more scurrilous ones, and it did come about because of this situation that she had with her secretary. Lovely uh, Daisy. Daisy. Her trusted yeah. secretary. Yes, yeah, she was. And, and it, it, it's interesting. I mean, her trust wasn't really misplaced exactly. I think a lot of what happened between them, it, it ended up being almost like a triangle. It was... You know, Rex Bell came into Clara's life. She eventually married Rex, but, you know, he was protective of her. Daisy was also protective of her. And they just, they just, Daisy and Rex just, you know, kind of eyed each other with a suspicion, like two really wary junkyard dogs. They were like, <laughs> oh, you know, I, I don't think you have her best interest at heart. I think I do. And, you know, I mean, Rex ended up with the upper hand and, it, it led to this whole situation that I think, and I think Clara also felt not too far into it, that uh, it should have been handled privately, could have been handled privately, but it just escalated. The next thing you know, there's Clara on the front page. Yeah, so how could it have ended privately? Wasn't, was she asking for a certain amount of money and she just hit the road? I think what really happened was I think her, I think initially her feelings were hurt. Now she she replaced someone else that the studio had that that Clara had actually hired. Clara knew uh, Adela uh, Rogers St. John, mm-hmm. and and it was Adela's 
brother who became uh, her first sort of bookkeeper, secretary kind of thing. Personal companion in a way. Yeah, in a way, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, took care of the household expenses, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think it was B.P. Schulberg who, who said, you know, uh, he heard that, that Daisy had had this conversation with Claire because they, they became close when Daisy was doing her hair. Claire was not a demanding diva kind of star, never, ever. She but seemed she really did. nice and oh. simple, just sweet. No, you're absolutely right, Grace. She was, she was just a sweetheart. She always was kind of, I think, stunned that she was in the position that she was in. And she never, she never took advantage. But there was one thing she was clear about. Once she and Daisy met, and Daisy was doing her hair, and back then it was not an easy thing to get that shade of red. They didn't have the dyes and stuff that they have now. You had to be a real chemist and a real artist to get it, to, to be right. And Daisy had the touch. And so she and Clara bonded. They're about the same age. And they would hang out because the hairdresser's on the set all the time, you know, with the star because to touch up here and there, to do whatever. And they spent a lot of long days together and they got to talking and Daisy said, you know, Clara, I think, I think you're being taken advantage of by a lot of people. And uh, and, because she was complaining, uh, rare, rare for Clara, but she was complaining about her father was, who was a total piece of work. He was a mooch. Did you ever see the movie Bombshell? 1933, it has yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jean Harlow, and it's uh-huh. allegedly based on her life, but not as much, but, I mean, she was taking care of her father. He would try to pick up chippies at the oh. studio. Oh. Yeah, he was something else. Yeah. He would be made, name drop, oh. you know, and, <laughs> and, 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 and just it was just a nightmare. But, I mean, he was even far worse than that. It wasn't until she got into therapy years later that Clara um, revealed that her father had raped her oh, during gosh. one of the one of the one of the spells. Her mother, unfortunately, her mother um, had uh, was mentally ill. And schizophrenia, it, 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 I believe, right? Yeah, her, yeah, and 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 uh, her, the grandmother was schizophrenic. It was the grandmother too who delivered uh, <laughs> Clara at home? She was a home birth, of course, because that was the usual thing then. And they didn't have money. No, they didn't have no. money, and it didn't even matter. A lot of people had babies at home. I mean, if you were a little better off, you could call a doctor in. But if you weren't, you just took care of it yourself. If you had a relative who knew what to do, great. If you had a midwife nearby, wonderful. But they didn't have, they had nothing. They were just dirt poor. And so um, Clara's mom had already lost two daughters. Uh, she had, you know, she had, she had one daughter. I think she might have been stillborn, and a second daughter uh, they named Emily, and she died within just three days. Horrible. It was awful, and they didn't, because the family was so poor, uh, they buried the baby in uh, Pauper's grave. Oh, she, gee. You know, I think I remember reading those, that. Yeah, it might, she might have gone out to Hart Island, it might have been, but it was in a potter's field, and they just didn't, because they just didn't have the money, and she's in an unmarked grave somewhere. And so when, when uh, Clara's mother was became pregnant again with Clara, you know, they didn't hold out much hope. And frankly, the, you know, her, her grandmother, Clara's grandmother, delivered, did the delivery. And when Clara was born, they just assumed she was dead because she, she appeared dead. And so the grandmother kind of, you know, gave her a little snack on the butt or something to see it, you know, kind of kickstart. And to their amazement, Clara started to cry. And so there she was. But Clara always felt unwanted. And her mother's uh, mental illness uh, drove a wedge between them a lot of times because her mother would, you know, one time her mother had one of her spells. They just referred to them as spells. And in the middle of one of them, she held a knife to Clara's throat. That she wanted and to slit her throat, right? That's gonna, what I she read. Was, yeah, yeah oh. she was, she was going to kill her. If, if, if her mother Sarah hadn't collapsed then during this spell, she probably would have killed her. No, Clara both. You know, and I mean, it's so Clara just, I mean... You talk about, you know, coming up hard, that, that there was just no, it was just as hard as it could be. So what little money came Clara's way, she spent on movie magazines, you know, and, and movie magazines catered to girls like Clara. They had, you know, they had stars in their eyes and the, and the stories were manifestly untrue in a lot of cases. They were just 
fairy tales concocted to, you know, put the stars in their best light. And Perfection. Their life yeah. Oh, beautiful, uh, perfect people. You know, none of these people were drug addicts or alcoholics. Of course alcoholics. not, but we know better. <laughs> we do. Yes. And they were always, just, and so, you know, so she even imitated, she pretended to be Mary Pickford in front of a mirror at home. And I'm sure she wasn't the only girl at that time doing that same thing. I think we all did when we were little girls to oh, some extent. Yeah. It's such a, or even little boys. I mean, we want to, you know, yeah, imitate. You want, you, yeah, you see someone and you see that they're successful and they seem magical to you. And, you know, you really want to, you really want to, you know, emulate them. How do I, you know, so, you know, imitation, of, you know, in the sincerest form of flattery, you imitate till, you know, you, you fake it till you make it kind of thing. And that was Clara. And, uh, she got, in January 1921, Motion Picture Magazine came out, and they announced a fame and fortune contest, and the first prize was a part in a movie. Ooh la and, la. Uh-huh. That's and a biggie. Claire, oh, that's huge. Can you imagine? And and Clara was just like, oh, yeah, I, I got to do this, but she was afraid to tell her mom, because Sarah just said, you know, actresses are just no better than whores. You know, you don't want to, you know. So Clara went, she snuck around behind her mom's back and talked to her dad, Robert, and, he, and, she, and, you know, he took her to, you know, all that they could afford, a pretty cheesy photo studio. And the pictures weren't great. At least Clara didn't think so. I think she looks pretty cute. But I do, too. They were, they, they were all she had, so she submitted them. And she did not think she had one chance, you know, a snowball's chance in hell of getting anywhere with it. And uh, she just... You know, she just couldn't believe when she made the shortlist. And it was like, wow. When she made it to the finals, it was like, whoa. And she, she got a screen test, which, of course, she aced because she was a natural. And she wanted to share the good news with her mom, who'd know nothing about this whole process at all. And when she told Sarah, Sarah literally just fell off her chair in a dead faint. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like... Oh, no. No, I don't know if that's a good reaction or a bad one, but um, a few days later, Clara found out she'd actually won the contest. And she was just, just, you know, I mean, as she should have been, she was just thrilled a bit. How old was she at that time, Joan? She's a teenager. She's probably 16, 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably about 16 years old, maybe. And, um, but unfortunately... Uh, her mom's mental con- condition continued to deteriorate, and on um, uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve, 1922, Robert took Sarah to the asylum where she'd been in. She'd been in an asylum before when she got impossible to handle, and uh, he returned her to the asylum, and they just said, "I'm sorry, she's terminally insane." And she, however, they determined those things in that time. And she was scheduled to be transferred to the same institution where her own mother had died Ugh. in 1907. But on January uh, 5th, 1923, just one day before her was going to be transferred, Sarah died. She was like 43 years old. And it wasn't Clara suicide, always, right? No, I think she just. I, I think she just had one of those things where she knew what was coming, and she just absolutely lost the will to live. So she kind of willed herself to die. I think she did. I really do think so. But Clara, of course, took it on herself. She always felt she, you know, she always felt responsible. Like, you know, maybe if I hadn't done this or done that, it would have turned out differently. And, of course, there's nothing she could have done. No. And and then it was so, like you said, it was so new, this whole idea of treating the mind mental illness, that nobody really understood it at all. Not even the doctors. They didn't understand it at all. No, they didn't, and and that's the thing. And it, I mean, I think you know, but Clara, she just felt responsible, and I'm I'm sure that's a large part of why she always supported her degenerate father throughout his life, because you know, because she had this guilt, and she had, and he was the, she didn't have any siblings. He was her family, you know, and so she so repressed those bad memories that she was able to continue and have some kind of relationship with him. And he came out to Hollywood with her, of course. And, you know, he lived in her home. She provided for him. She bought everything for him. 
And, you know, and, and one time when she actually suggested that maybe he should get a job, he said, you're, you know, I'm your father. You owe me. Yeah, right. Oh. He was an alcoholic as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just a skirt chaser and just, you know, just a, just an awful, awful human being. And, and poor Clara, I mean, you know, but she was wrapped up in that guilt and you know, he took advantage of it. Not a nice guy. Not. <laughs> I don't think he was a nice guy. I, I don't remember reading. I mean, I read the Clarabeau biography, which was wonderful. And oh, I don't yeah. remember about her dad raping her. When did she tell yeah. that? Later? When she was older? Later on. When she, yeah, a little, when she was older, when she, she was undergoing therapy. Because she always had, um, she had her own, uh, I think, you know, they, they would say, they said it ran in the family, you know, insanity. I don't know how much of that is true, but certainly there, there are some medical concerns when you have, you know, when your mother is schizophrenic, your grandmother is schizophrenic. Right, of course. Uh, you know, and so, you know, there might have been something in, you know, kind of tangled up in her DNA and also being raised by those two women because that would be impossible to navigate, I think, for an adult because you never know who you're going to come home to. I know. How, that must have been so stressful. Uh, and I they were dirt poor. They were dirt poor. Absolutely dirt poor. I mean, just, she always said that, and that, that's, that was sort of her approach to money, too, which is how she kind of ended up in trouble, was because she said she understood what $100 was, because that was always her dream, to have $100. And she said there's nothing, she said that, that still gave her the biggest kick of all, to have 100 bucks, you know. And she was making thousands of dollars a week, yes. but it was that, it was that $100 in her inner pocket, in her hand, that really just, you know, that got her. Well, she was not a snob. She was not, you know, she didn't oh, change. No. She, she didn't become like this um, foo-foo-foo-foo-do lady. She was just Clara, and I loved her. But, you know, I was reading, I think in your thing, that how people would have, wouldn't invite Clara to certain parties. They thought she was low class. And the funny thing yeah. is, they came from dirt poor families, but they foofed it up and fa fa and uh-huh. talked differently and things like that. But they wouldn't include Clara because they thought she was low class and trash. Yeah, which is just absolutely astonishing to me. I mean, me too. The, the, her, her problem, I mean, low class, maybe yes, maybe no, depending on how you look at those things. But what she really was all the way through her life was just genuine. You know, there was no artifice there. There was no, you know, no false face. When you got Clara, you got the real Clara. Now, and that's why she worked on screen so well. She was really Clara, and it translated when she, you know, when she looked into the camera, when she acted, she was genuine, and that's what resonated with people. They could, they could feel her, and they could relate. Know? Even though she was so adorable, they related to Clara. She was not <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, she wasn't like this big, um, like. Gloria Swanson kind of person or, you know, grand and, you know, living in these kind of things. She was just Clara. Yeah, and she didn't even change her name. I mean, a lot of these people, like, like, like in a silence, like Theta Berra, which, you know, is, it's an anagram for Arab death. And (laughs) she, she was born in the Midwest. I know. It's so funny. I love her pictures. She cracks me up. So they had this whole story about her, you know. This whole exotic upbringing and everything is like, no, honey, that's not where you're from. <laughs> and Clara never played that game. She was just Clara, but she was magic. She really she was. was. On screen, and I, I've watched a lot of her movies, you know, the ones over and over because she's just so darn good. You and can't I can't take your that, eyes off of her. No, she steals everything right. she's done. And it's not on purpose. I think she was a pretty gracious performer. But she just does. You just can't take your eyes off of her, you know. But when she got, and, and, and again, that's how she met Daisy is on the, on a set for a film. And, you know, and, and Daisy, you know, then, and Schulberg kind of um, hit Daisy up. She said, hey, and he said, hey, you know, um, I'm hearing rumors, you know, you know, I think Clara might be a little out of control in her home life and, and you know, her money and, and you know, maybe... Maybe maybe you could take that job as her you know as her personal secretary or assistant, and um, but what he really of course what he really wanted was a spy right. in in Clara's house. But Daisy Daisy was a tough cookie in that way. She was even she was tougher than Clara, and she you know she just told him 
I'm not spying for you. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be that somebody to, you know, help take care of her, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to be your spy. So it didn't really matter to him. At least there was, you know, Daisy was going to be there. Clara had, Clara wasn't even in on the meeting, but she had to pay Daisy's salary. But Daisy, who, you know, when she started looking at the book, she just went, whoa, Clara, you don't have to live like this. You know, she, she said, you know, you're making five grand a week and, you know, where is it going? And, and she, she, Clara bought this home at, um, in, in Beverly Hills on, at 512 Belford Drive. Uh-huh. And it was mortgaged. And it was like, huh? She, she could have owned it outright after like three weeks' salary. You know? So the guy so, that was doing your books prior was yeah. just totally. Yeah, I, think, I think he was bezling. just, you know, they, yeah, they were, well, or they were just spending the money, you know, to do this or do that or throw parties or whatever it is Clara was doing at home. And they just paid no attention. And when, when, when Daisy showed up, you know, Claire, the housekeeper is in the heels. She's wearing high heels. Daisy's like, <laughs> she's like, no, 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 no. You're in flats or you're out of here. You don't need, you're not wearing heels to scrub any floor. <laughs> so, so everybody would just, and, and Daisy was horrified. She was like, because according to Daisy's calculations, Claire made about $200,000 over the two years before she took over looking at Clara's books. But her bank balance was only $16,000. Wow. So where had that money gone? You know, and, and, and to, to Daisy, she, to her it was obvious. They were bleeding her dry. She said it was her dad, her cousin, her business manager, and her two servants who really weren't serving her at all. They were helping themselves. So Daisy just came in and she, she, was just, she just laid down the law in a way that, you know, she 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 fired the you know Rogers who aptly named Bogart Rogers. She she fires Rogers as the bookkeeper, and you know she laid down the law to the to the housekeeper, and and you know just like uh uh-uh, uh, this is not what's happening here. You're not gonna you know you're not gonna do this. And she really made she really made some much needed changes, and I think that that in that way she really did help help Clara out because it was obvious that Clara needed to save money because you know this we're getting on you know into the later 20s right the, the talkies are you know in 1927 talking films happening Clara wasn't sure with her accent and everything if she'd be able to make that transition and you think in the beginning Joan really cared about her. no not Joan I'm sorry Daisy yeah. really cared about her she did oh I do I really absolutely do I mean they might have been employee and employer, but they were they were tight. They were close friends. And in fact, in the summer of nineteen twenty nine, the two of them took a trip to New York. And Clara said, "Hey, Daisy, you know, can kind of want to take a side trip to Brooklyn. You know, you mind? No, you know, whatever you want to do." And uh, they they were in a taxi, pulled up in front of a large building. Didn't really have was unmarked. Didn't really say what it was what it was for. And Clara told the driver, "Keep the motor running." And she and Daisy got out, and uh, Daisy said, "Well, are we? What is this place?" And Clara said, "Nut House." And uh, they went in. Clara identified herself to the the woman there, or nurse, or whatever, somebody in uniform. And she and Daisy waited in the hallway, and then the woman returned, and had, she had in, in her company these two two thin, kind of older, frail women. And Clara greeted them, and. And the two older women, they just kind of looked at her. They had no idea who Clara was. They looked confused. And uh, Clara said her goodbyes, and she and Daisy left, and they got back in the taxi. And Clara said, uh, Get, I guess that was kind of a waste of time. They didn't even know me. And Daisy said, well, who didn't? So my mama's sisters, my aunt. Oh, her aunt paying- had Ill- the illness as well. Yeah. She said, those are my two aunts. I've been paying for them to stay in that place, and they don't even know me. And she said, I'm never going back there. She continued to pay, of course, but she never, she said, I'm never going to go back there. And uh, Daisy, at that point, wasn't so sure because she knew insanity ran in Clara's family, and she was like, oh, my God, I hope she doesn't, you know, wind up there. And it was a very real fear, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. The sisters, the grandma, the mother... 
the the yeah. mental illness gene is in, you know, it gets into you. It is a family. It can be fast passed yeah. in, in your lives. I'm looking at Daisy uh, DeVoe. And then one of her pictures, she looks like, do you know the actress Una Merkel? Yes, yes, I do. You're right. Doesn't she, does. she look like her? Because in she Bombshell, does. Una Merkel played the part of Daisy. <laughs> she was like Good Daisy. Call. Yeah. That, 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 that puts it to rest. That's definitely not an accident. In no. I can't believe how much she looks like uh, in this picture. She oh looks like Una Merkel. I hadn't, even rec- I hadn't even thought of that. Good call. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and then, and so things kind of were rolling along, you know, pretty well. And, and Clara, you know, is usually seeing at least two guys at a time, <laughs> you know. And uh, she meets Rex Bell. and um, He's a cowboy actor, right? He's the cowboy actor. Handsome guy. I Ooh, mean, they really la, did la. make a, Very Yeah, cute. they made a, made a great couple. I mean, they were just absolutely Gorgeous. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, just fantastic. And, but then... Um, Daisy overheard Rex telling Clara, he said, you know, I'm better, I'm better qualified to handle your finances than, you know, a former hairdresser with, you know, who she doesn't even have a high school diploma. And um, now when Daisy overheard that, she thought in her head, she's got the scenario, oh, he's going to have, he's going to have me fired, but he's going to take my place and he's going to steal Clara's money. So in her head, at the beginning anyway, it was all about protection. She, she kept her mouth shut. She didn't say that she'd overheard any conversation. She didn't do anything except go into the office. She went into the file cabinet. She empties out everything, checkbooks, uh, business documents, personal correspondence from some of Clara's former flames, um, letters from Rex. She empties all this stuff into a suitcase and then takes it to the bank and stores it in her safe deposit box with just the checkbook. She hung on to everything else. She was going to warn Clara about Rex because what what she heard was, oh, no, this guy's just, you know, after Clara's money. And and so the next day she went, Daisy went to talk to Clara. Rex had changed the locks on the door. Now, this this really freaks her out because now she's convinced that this is what's going on. And... So she tried to see Clara. She came back that night. Rex refused to let her come in. And and, and Daisy told Rex, look, I can explain everything because now they, they kind of know this stuff is missing. And, you know, and um, so it, I think it's at that point when it really just became so uh, confrontational. And, and Daisy was kind of a, a hard ass in her own way. And Rex certainly was. And I think they just butted heads and neither of those people would back down. And so Rex just built this high wall around Clara and Daisy felt helpless because this was not only was this her employer, this this was her friend. They mm-hmm. were they were close. And so um she just you know, she just felt completely helpless. And the thing that was in Daisy's favor and I think that shows that it started out right was that when she took you know, when she took Clara's uh, when she took the job as sort of managing the books and stuff, there was that $16,000 in Clara's account. When Rex fired her, the balance was $249,000. Wow. So she did do a good job. She did. And so she, she was did. sort of a woman scorned in a way, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, good. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about it from that aspect. But yeah, I think you're right because it's sort of like, whoa, you know, here's this guy. I don't know him really except from on screen and he's coming between me and this permit person is my employer and really kind of my, you know, and they were best friends, you know, they shared, they shared stuff, they shared secrets, they shared, you know, um, all kinds of stuff. And so she just, she just felt, and that's when she kind of turns a corner and she feels shut out. So she just like, okay, she was humiliated because she, you know, she couldn't get back in the house where she, you know, been, welcome for the last few years and uh she went to talk to clara's lawyer a guy named w.i gilbert and she Mm -hmm. said tell clara uh she can have her papers if she's willing to pay for them otherwise they're going to the newspapers 
And Daisy wanted $125,000 to stay quiet. Wow. Well, I'm reading from your article that um, Daisy had taken a diamond jewelry, a sapphire Mm -hmm. ring, all her personal papers included canceled checks, paid and unpaid bills, and personal correspondence. And um, she took the 20,000 cashier's check. Yeah. So she did, despite the fact that DeVoe had taken thousands of dollars worth of Clara's belongings, she was gearing up to file suit against Clara. Yeah. 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 And I think that, I think that, um, I think that if they had, if the three of them had, you know, like if Rex and Daisy could have seen that past their distrust of each other, they might have understood that they really, in their own way, no matter how they went about it, they each had their own agenda, and there's no right. denying that. But I think in their own way, they really were trying to watch out for Clara, and they shared that to such a degree that that's what put them at loggerheads. And I think if they had been able to see that in each other, they could have, they could have stopped any of this before it started to roll, you know. And, but once it started that, you know, once it started running downhill, it was just, it was unstoppable. And Daisy, you know, she tried to apologize, and she went to, to see Rex, and she said, I want, I want my job back. That's really what she wanted. She wanted her job back and her friend. You know, the stuff that she took, she took because she was pissed. She's looking out for her own future, you know, and it was spite. A lot of it was spite. Mm-hmm. And and so she, she said, I, I just, I want my job back. And Rex is like, uh-uh, slams the door in her face and, that, and called the police. And at that point, now there's no turning back. And she had already said that she want, she would give everything back for 150 grand. Yeah, 125 grand. She'd re, she'd return everything. But but when she met with Rex, can you kind of blame him? I mean, she's she stole no. all that stuff, and now exactly. she's it's. I would call him bezeling, bribe, you know, doing bribery, yeah. whatever. I mean, I oh. wouldn't say I can trust you now, honey, because you're asking for 125 grand for papers that don't belong to you. Come right, on. and what he didn't know was that Daisy had overheard the conversation where he's telling Clara, I can do a better job at this bookkeeping thing than Daisy. You know, he, I don't think he knew that she'd overheard that. So as far as each of them were concerned, they were still doing the right thing. Right. You know, they were, they were each trying to, you know, protect their position and, you know, also incidentally, Maybe try to take care of Clara, but it just it just hit. And once once Rex called the once Rex called the cops, that was it. And so Daisy is arrested, and they interrogate her for like twenty seven hours straight, and then wow. they throw her in jail. And she's not charged. She wasn't allowed to contact a, a, a lawyer. The only people who visited her was a couple. Um, I think his name was Artie uh, Johnson, and um, and his wife. And they came in. They knew she'd been arrested. They came to visit. And the only reason they got past the jailer was because Artie bribed him. He offered him an upcoming, uh, a bit part in an upcoming Paramount film. Everybody wants to be a star. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. I mean, it's still, it's still a lot like that in L.A. I mean, there, there's like, there's three things you can count on. Someone either wants to sell you real estate, do your hair, or they're writing a screenplay. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's no, almost no, there's almost like no, there's no other thing that they're doing. It's, it's been that way since, you know, since the 1910s. And, and but, but Daisy was so glad to see anybody she recognized. And, you know, she just threw her arms around Artie, Artie and she said, get me out of here. And she said, it's all Rex's fault. You know, he poisoned Clara against me. But Artie knew Rex and he, he, he knew him as a stand-up guy. So he figured there was more to the story. Right. And he listens, you know, here's Daisy out. She just pours it all out. And Artie realizes, oh, man, it's a, it's a huge misunderstanding. And so maybe, you know, so he tries to get in the role of peacemaker. Like, maybe there's still hope, you know. Maybe there's still a way we can work this out. But Clara, at this point, she's not having it. And, and she's, you know, because Artie said, why don't you just drop this whole thing get the DA to cut Daisy loose that, you know, and, and that, you know, cause Daisy right now, she's at the point where she's angry and she could turn vicious and it could cause, you know, can cause you, you know, Clara can cause you a lot of trouble. 
And so now at this point, of course, Claire is angry. And, and she's, you know, she's saying, well, she can't do nothing to me. <laughs> but perfect. Artie's like, yeah, Artie's like, yeah, she can. It, you know, if, if she tells the truth about some stuff, you know. And so it, it's just he's trying to mediate it and nobody wants to talk. You know, and, and the only other person who might have been able to get in there and mediate was B.P. Schulberg, and he didn't do anything. So, so the, go ahead. But Daisy was still in jail, or did she get released? They finally got her, they finally got her out. They, they, they got her kicked loose, and, you know, and so Artie's just trying desperately to mediate this whole ugly situation. No one's listening. Everybody now is angry. The, you know, it's already, it's already just... I think it's at this point it's out of their control because now the wheels have been set in motion and there's really nothing they can do. And so um, on uh, November 25th, 1930, the grand jury issues an indictment for 37 counts, 37 wow. counts of grand theft against Daisy. And now each of these counts carried a one to ten year prison sentence. Oh my. So she could be locked up from anywhere from 35 to like 375 years. And now, much of what Daisy had allegedly stolen, um, some of those things were actually gifts, because um, Daisy, at Clara's sort of on behalf of Clara, bought gifts for everybody. Clara's very generous. Yes. But apparently, um, her bad taste was legendary. (laughs) Poor friend. So you want, if you were going to get a good gift from Clara, it's probably better if Daisy picked it out. Yeah. And, and so, um, but but Clara then, and all of a sudden now, she's getting the notion that you know what the the um, the DA is turning what you know what was a personal kind of feud into like a public battle, right. and it's just it's totally under you know. Uh, out of control on and, the front pages everywhere oh forever and you know the 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 muck is going back and forth and you know claire you know um claire's being asked if she authorized a check for 143 dollars and 50 cents for whiskey and another one over 100 dollars for more whiskey and clara says well you know i authorized miss devoe to spend whatever was necessary to maintain the household and I trusted her, and if she wanted to buy whiskey, well, you know, I suppose she made out the checks and, and signed them. But Clara's response was kind of like, it was really kind of disingenuous, because she one of the things that Daisy did when she first arrived in the household was um, to fire Clara's bootlegger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Clara wasn't really too pleased about that. So the chances are that, that those whiskey purchases, those were made because that's what Clara wanted to have in the house. It wasn't all on Daisy. No. And, and, but, but Clara, you know, Clara did leave everything in Daisy's hands, which, you know, I mean, I think as we've seen through decades of mismanaged money for everything from movie stars to rock stars and on, you, you, you kind of have to look over the books, whether you, you know, what it's you want or not. It's funny that she just could, you know, just fluff it up. But so many people do that. They do. So many women in old Hollywood... Their husbands totally took all their money, and they had nothing. They didn't know. Um, They worked hard. They should have had, uh, you know, their golden years should have been, and they weren't. No. But, you know, so what was the big deal if Clara did spend that money on whiskey? They were trying to paint her sort of as a bad woman. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, on Daisy's side, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, we have to show that Clara's kind of, you know, she's kind of out of control, you know. And there was one check, though, that, you know, that that um, that I think she, you know, Clara just, it was a gift for Clara from Daisy. And it looks like the money came out of Clara's household account. And that really hurt her feelings. It was a dresser set, you know. Women used to have the, you know, the dressers. I love I've got those. One of those from, yeah, I've got one of those from the 30s in my bedroom. Oh, I'd love and they it. And they had these dresser sets. And, and this was, you know, it was engraved. It was silver. And um, Daisy had given it to her as a, a birthday gift. And the DA said, well, you know, did you authorize Ms. DeVoe to draw a check on your account to pay for this set? And Clara was, she was, she, her feelings were just so hurt. She said, no. She said, I never did. I I just thought she was being sweet and kind to me. And so, you know, you can just see the the rift in the relationship that 
this misunderstanding now is just it's just you know it's just widened into Grand Canyon proportions. There's no way that they're going to be able to mend fences. Well, that's terrible. You know, you happy know? birthday. I hope you love your gift and she clear a pace for it. I know. know. I mean, she she was being paid. Dave was being paid seventy five dollars a week, which wasn't bad. I mean, my first job way back in the day. Um, I think I got ninety dollars every two weeks. So, <laughs> so you know, I mean, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I you know, so Daisy wasn't hurting. She could have bought that. So she could have saved up and bought that set and had it be a real gift from her heart. But she didn't do that. So I mean, there's. I, I think the only real innocent in this is Clara. I do too. You know, she trusts. You know, Rex has. Rex has. I mean, he loved her. There's no two ways about it. He really did. He he really did love her. And I think Daisy loved her too in her own way. That she really, you know, she she wanted her friendship. She she did love her. But the problem now with Daisy having taken all of those personal papers, including some of those love letters, telegrams, all those things that she took, now they're entered into evidence. So. Now they can be read in open court, and it's just, it's just horrible for Clara. You know, I mean, she doesn't need to hear these things and and be in court. And it just, it, it, there. Some of them were from Rex. Some of them for you know from other, you know, from other guys. And it's just, it, it was just, it was excruciatingly painful for her personally. I and think all over the papers and all oh, over the gossip oh. columnists, like how, oh how my those god, people, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I mean, and and then you know, and then this, and then Daisy, you know, she starts to expose her vicious side. She's she's saying, well, Clara was responsible. It was her fault if she paid more attention to business? It's like, well, no, honey. Clara trusted you. She trusted you. You were supposed to be, you know, her, her friend and her employer. So that, that that's a pretty awful answer. She's what, what she blames Clara for not stopping her from stealing. From her. <laughs> no, how dare you, Clara? It's all your fault. How dare you not stop you me? You bad person. You. <laughs> yeah. Did she did she live with Clara when she was working for Clara? She pretty much did. I mean, she was over there. She may have had her own apartment, but she was over there all the time. I mean, I don't know if she if she. She, she, I think she had maybe a room off the office or something. Mm-hmm. She pretty much, she was there all the time. And they were always together. So, you know, I mean, it. so it, it, how it ends up is like the, the, there was a turning point in the trial. They, they called in finally a forensic accountant. And the accountant double-checked everything. I mean, through everything, for through um, almost 1,600 canceled checks. Wow. You know. And he finds a shortfall of $48,000. And it was from a special account, and Daisy had access to it. And Daisy, she, you know, she's called to the stand to explain this missing forty-eight grand, and she kind of can't do it. You know, she starts to digress, and she starts telling tales about Clara's personal life, and, and you know, and, and she, you know, it was just, it was just too much. And, and, and Clara finally just couldn't take it. She stayed away from the trial, and her and her physician said, "Look, she's suffering from a bad cold and nervous strain from the trial, and she's running a temperature, and I ordered her to stay in bed." And um, while she was out sick from the trial, Rex, you know, he he stayed, he hung in there, and he stayed. And uh, finally, you know, finally, the judge. They're about three weeks into the trial, and the judge finally banned all that rampant mud slinging that was going on, mostly from Daisy. You know, and he wanted he wanted attention paid to the actual crux of the matter. Did Daisy steal money? Right. You know, and Clara hadn't done anything wrong, but her reputation was just being damaged because, um, you know, everyone's reading the newspapers in the Riverside County. Uh, is, you know, it's outside of Orange, outside of LA County, Riverside County. Their board of censorship, which by now counties have their own boards of censorship, it's you know, they barred one of Clara's films because of the notoriety that she'd received during the trial. And the chair of the censorship board uh, said, um, she's a really self-righteous woman, she says, our action in barring the film, it's taken because of the notoriety given the actress in the Los Angeles trial. And besides, the picture's not the type that we want shown here. It's like, oh, really? What picture you was know? it? Um, I forget exactly which one it was, because... Um, Clara was a, a movie-making machine at one point in her career. And she made she 40, multiple, right? Yeah, something ridiculous. And and uh, it was just, you know, it, it was just, it was so awful for her. And there was this really sleazy guy, and um, 
his last name was, or his first, I think it was Frederick Grinnell, and he had this sleazy little publication, if you can even call it that. It was really just, I, I, it was just uh, printed toilet paper. <laughs> what it should have, you know, I mean, it was just, it was awful. And that, when, when those rumors that went around about Clara for the longest time that, you know, she'd, you know, she'd participated in, in a, a group sex thing with all the USC right. football players. Absolutely Bestiality. Yeah, bestiality. She had a German Shepherd she was particularly fond of. <laughs> the, the, the I mean, really was, sick. Was, oh, my God. And, and with the SC football players, she had never been to a football game, I think. And when she went, she went, you know, she went to an SC game. It was a big deal, and it was, she, she just got so into it. She had the best time. And the players, and they even stood up for her. They said, yeah, you know, th- th- we'd be invited to the house and stuff, but nothing untoward ever happened, you know? She just was, she was a booster for the team. That's all it was, you know? And, and, and it's just like, what, but he, it was his, you know, his, you know, nasty, scrollless little rag. He was that his, was out there. he slandered her. This had nothing to Absolutely. do with Daisy. He just made well, these he up. Used, well, yes and no. I mean, Daisy, Daisy always said that she did, but her name was on some of it. It's like, you know, the story, the true story of Clara Bow or something is told, you know, as told by Daisy. <laughs> yeah. Now, did, did she, did she have a hand in Frederick Grinnell's thing? That I don't know for sure. I, I imagine some of the stories may have been um, uh, stuff that he embellished on that Daisy was flinging when she was really angry, and he just took it and run with it, and just absolutely made a, a total mess out of her out of Clara's reputation. And it was it was it was just awful for her. I mean, I can't even imagine imagine being in that situation. She's already kind of an outsider. Yeah, you know, because you know, because like you said, you know, you're right when you said, yeah, you know, a lot of people used to stiff her because they thought, you know, cut, cut, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't rise to our level. No, and they're they're probably just as poor as she was, but they feign, you know, they put on the accent, they put this and this, and it was funny. I read this thing um, that Louise Brooks said, and she she wanted to invite Clara to a party, and the bum that she was married to was sort of like. Um, society dude and mm-hmm. he said you cannot invite Clara so she had to disinvite Clara yeah because of this snob yeah and uh, yeah I mean and Louise Brooks was you know turned out to be another way outsider yeah I you know? know that's she, what it's she ironic was phenomenal same yeah. thing you know she was just, and I I think yeah I mean it, she she really she took Hollywood to task I mean she you know she did her best films in Berlin in Germany because, you know, she just wasn't going to play the game. But finally, I mean, they finally, you know, on all these counts, these 30-some counts of of whatever, you know, theft and all this stuff, um, they're, you know, the, the, the trial, finally the jury goes into deliberation. And three hours in, they come back to the judge and they say they're deadlocked. Well, the judge is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> After three hours, you're not deadlocked. You're just disagreeing. You know, um, suck it up and try again. Right. Four more times they came out and they said, "We're deadlocked. We're deadlocked." And 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 rumors were that some of the jurors were, you know, mixing it up. There were actually a fist fight <laughs> in the jury room. I'm and, sure they were having a ball. You know, listening oh, to Clara Bow's juicy stories God. and all that stuff. Can you imagine? I mean, so finally, finally. Um, it's like it's, it's like Friday, February, uh, January twenty third, nineteen thirty one, and the jury comes out. They, I, I, it seems to me like they probably they had to co- come to some major compromises to get out of that jury room, you right. know, without being beaten within an inch of their lives. And the jury found Daisy not guilty of thirty four of the thirty five counts against her. They found her guilty on one count. It was for eight hundred and twenty five dollars. She that she she told Clara was to pay income tax. Uh-huh. But she used it to buy herself a, a fur coat. Oh my! <laughs> and Daisy, Daisy just she didn't take it well. She she screamed and then she she fainted and fell to the floor. Oh, how dramatic! I love I that know. stuff. There are so many great things like that. I mean, With really, these, honey? <laughs> and she really, you know, I, I'm not really feeling, you know, so too much sympathy for Daisy because I thought she really went 
far and above and beyond. She went, she went too far. I mean, I get the hurt feelings and I get all that, but, you know, cooler heads should have prevailed. Her should have been first, but she probably should have realized is that she had a good run. Um, Clara was falling in love with Rex and that was going to be her, that was going to be her guy. That was going to be her, her, her person, you know, between her and the rest of the world. Right. And Daisy just, she just didn't, she just couldn't grasp that. I'm sure it hurt her reason. for that reason. Oh, but, I think it did, yeah. But it, it happens did. all the time where, you know, you ditch the friend because you fall in love, you know? So yeah, it's like, that's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. Like, my best friend and I, we've been friends for longer than either one of us like to uh, recall. And we pinky swore practically from day one because we, we met because both of us were dating the same guy unbeknownst to each other. <laughs> that's a great friend. Beginning of you a know? friendship. I think that's I great. And we were, we realized, you know, it's like the cute meat in the movie, you know, we realized, hey, we've got a lot in common. Realized we were both from Chicago, our families came out here, but, you know, on and on and on. So we pinky swore almost from day one, never, ever let a guy come between us. Guys are a dime a dozen, but if you find a good female friend, you better hang on tight. And so that's been our, that's kind of been our, 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 our pledge to each other over all the years. We've, both of us now have been married too long to even give a shit. Excuse, uh, can I say that? Even yes, care. But, <laughs> but um, you know, but <laughs> but at the beginning, you know, in our beginning, because when we met, you know, we're you know in our very very early twenties, and she might even been nineteen when we met, and it's like, well, <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not playing that game, and and that's what Daisy just didn't see is that sometimes that does happen, and especially then. And boyfriends and so, get jealous as well. Of the they best do. friend. And they, they get, do. feel bad mouth. They don't want you to go out with the person. They sort of like pee around you and mark their turf kind of thing. And exactly it's like right. Daisy's out of here. So I'm sure, and, and Rex's defense, he was probably a little jealous of Daisy as well sure. because she took yeah. up some of Clara's time and yeah. vice versa. Yeah, and I think so. And, and so when, you know, when so after Daisy hits the floor and then she snaps <laughs> out of it, she's like, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I, I I can't be guilty of one count and innocent of all the rest. And, and, and God's name, why did they do this to me? And Clara, I mean, poor Clara, she cried when she heard the news. And she yeah. said, you know, for Daisy's sake, I hope the judge will be lenient. I'm sorry it, it all had to happen. And uh, against all advice, and this is, this is what a stand-up person Clara was, you know, I think that the people around her, um, even the ones that had her best interests at heart, I think she set an example as a human being that I think none of them really could rise to because after Daisy was sentenced, Clara actually intervened and she wrote to the DA, Bjorn Fitz, and she wanted to, she pled for mercy. She, she, she entered a plea for mercy on Daisy's behalf and she said, uh, I'll read it. She said, Dear Mr. Fitz, I'm not sure to whom this letter should be addressed or whether it's even proper under the circumstances to write it, but I find myself unable to avoid letting you know that it is my hope that mercy will be shown to Daisy DeVoe. That was her real name, not DeVoe. And uh, the fact is I never would have carried this matter to your attention in the first place if Daisy DeVoe had not threatened to blackmail me. I had no other way to protect myself except to come to your office and follow your advice. If it is right for you to do so, I wish you to tell the judge about this letter, and she signed it sincerely yours, Clara Bowe. Oh, what a nice person. I know. The DA never went to the judge with the letter, and and, because he thought the whole thing was just a huge embarrassment. He wanted it all to disappear. Right. And the judge judge was not happy with the jury verdict, and he told Daisy from the bench that, you know, in no uncertain terms, what he thought about her and the jury's verdict. And he said, Miss DeVoe, the evidence in this case discloses that you conducted a systematic raid on funds that were entrusted to you. There are no extenuating circumstances that appeal to me. The jury was quite generous and evidently quite sympathetic because they found you guilty of one count. That was their prerogative, but certainly the evidence was abundant and sufficient to support a conviction on all counts. That's the judge talking. And the jury recommended probation, but the judge said uh, no. He said no. You're going to do 18 months in in the slammer, and we're going to put you on, on probation for a number of years after that. So, you know, he, I think he put her on five. He, sent her, he sentenced her to 18, year, 18 years, 18 months in county. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, in county jail, which was no walk in the park, and five years of formal probation. Did she last the eighteen so, months, or did she get out? She early? did. She did indeed. No, she she did. I think she a did, new thing. She, <laughs> I saw she got pictures. Out on appeal. I mean, she did get out on an yeah. uh, on an appeal, but um, she she did she did do her time. I think, and uh, and she was, um, you know, she. But that was it. I mean, there was no more relationship with Clara. And, well, I can't imagine there being one, but. I, I saw pictures. I think it was in your blog, and it was showing like Daisy posing in her in her cell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here I am. The newspapers love that stuff, and, and there was there was a lot of um, there was a lot of close contact. In those days, the relationship between newspapers and and law enforcement wasn't as adversarial as it is now. And they, they sort of like the the law enforcement like to be seen doing their job. And newspapers like to have a story, so they, you know, they sort of like had an agreement. You know, we, you know, quid pro quo, we do this for you, you do this for us. And so a lot of those things, you know, and they're obviously staged. You know, no one snuck a photo. <laughs> oh yeah, you should see it. She's doing like a glamour girl pose. You know, right. her hand is behind her head, and you know, vo- vo- va 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 voom kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. And so. So there you go, you know. So they did, they did do that. But Daisy was fighting her conviction, and and Clara, you know, was trying to get her life back together because she actually was um, uh, admitted to a, a sanitarium in Glendale just for for rest. I mean, it was just too much. This is right after. Yeah, this and, is just this is just too much for her. And they were know? gonna have her make a movie, but they didn't really yeah. want her, right? They didn't really want her, and so they they played her, and 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 you know, kind of got her to say. You know, I don't want to hold Paramount to anything, and you know, because they were denying all over the place. Paramount saying, "Oh no, this is the her illness is not going to terminate her career." No, no, no. Behind the scenes, they're how how can we get rid of her? You know, and and they just she just said, "Well, you know, I don't really want to hold anyone to anything," and and you know, I, I'm I'm pretty much done. And so she she did go on. I mean, she she did. I think come back and make a couple films. I, I mean, love Caller Savage. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I love yeah. that. I mean, she's yeah, with a big mastiff dog, which was kind of weird. <laughs> you yeah, know, they're just throwing that in there. Yeah, I mean everything, yeah. and that's the thing. Like the Fred Grinnell guy, he did contact Rex Bell, and he was gonna. He was gonna. He wanted to, and this is like extortion. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wanted to sell that his his disgusting little rag was called the Coast Reporter. Mm. You know, I mean, it was all just just junk. And he wanted to sell it to Rex for $25,000. And Rex said, uh-uh, you know, go away. And so Gurnell sends the um, his little rag to Will Hayes, who was the first president of the motion yes, picture. Yes, we know yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. Yes, we you know them. We know him well. And um, he sent them to uh, Superior Court judges, local PTA officials. But here's the... Here's violated the, a section of the U.S. Penal Code which prohibited mailing, transporting, or importing anything lewd, lascivious, or obscene through the mails. Did he go so, to jail? <laughs> I don't know if he went to jail. I'm not <laughs> sure if he went to jail, but he sure got himself in a boatload of trouble. And it was like, yeah, that, you know, manner, People manner. don't care. Why do people do that? They want to hurt people. and They just want to hurt them, you and, know. And make money while they're doing it. It just makes me sick. I don't get that mentality, you know. I just, thank goodness I don't get that mentality because I just no, couldn't I don't live with myself. So when Clara, when did she and Rex get married? Oh, uh, they got married, I think. 31, 32, they had a couple of boys mm-hmm. together. And, uh, you know, she sort of retired to a ranch that he bought, which was Daisy always thought that that's what he was up to. He wanted the money to buy a ranch. And she was only partly right. It was it was a good place for Clara to go and heal, you know. He didn't and, have any uh, money of his own? He didn't have any dough? He did, actually. Uh, he did, actually. And I think, I think it, it was probably his money that bought the ranch or a good part of it. But for a lot of the marriage... Um, Claire was institutionalized. I mean, just the, the stress and strain of everything that had happened to her in her early life and then her career in Hollywood was no picnic. And um, she was admitted in... Uh, she, they, they actually, they, they never divorced. I mean, Rex 
had someone on the side later on. Didn't he become a politician and he ended yes, up staying in Las Vegas most of the time? Yes. Yes, he did. You're right. Mm-hmm. And um, she ended up kind of estranged from the family. She she was uh, she ended up in um, the Institute of Living Psychiatric Institute. She was admitted there in 49 and she got um, shock treatments for insomnia and uh, for some other symptoms. And they diagnosed her with schizophrenia, she didn't have any of the auditory or visual hallucinations, right. but she did actually have, you know, she did have emotional problems. I don't know what her diagnosis would be today if she was to be diagnosed today, but it, it resulted in being estranged from her family. I mean, she, she moved to a home, to her own home in Culver City, and it's just a quiet little, you know, residential block in Culver City. And, um, you know, and, 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 but she and Rex never divorced. He, and in that way, you know, he was he was really a stand-up guy. He did love her. He did try to keep, you know, his affair with this woman on on, on the QT. Right. And so as not to, you know, not to embarrass Claire. Claire, I think, was aware of it, but, you know, and I'm sure it hurt her, but it, it was just tough. It was just tough, and, and from both of them. And Rex died in 62, uh, and Clara died of a heart attack in, in uh, on September 27, 1965. And she was sixty, so, right? Yeah, she yeah she was sixty years old. I mean, she had just had, you know, and and there was a, a neighbor kid who you know really didn't know. He used to talk to her, and she said, you know, she told great stories, and um, you know, he 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 didn't know, you know, because he you know he was growing up and when she moved there, and and he had no idea who she was or how important she was to the history of film, and just knew that she was this nice lady that lived across the street. She had such a turbulent life, you know, from her childhood and then, you know, them all being snots to her. And um, she did. And then Rex and she did have her emotional problems, which are not easy to deal with as a husband. No. And with children, you know, but it wasn't her fault. That was not her fault. No, no, none of that was. Again, you know, like we were talking about, she, she not only had a predisposition but she was raised by two women who were profoundly mentally ill. Now, I mean, I don't care if you're, you know, if you have no, you know, gene for any of that. Right. If you're raised by two women who are schizophrenic, it's going to be a tough road. Yeah. And, I mean, but Daisy, Daisy went on. Her her, her dad was, um, she did serve the 18 months, and her dad, um, her dad was busted in 31 on a liquor charge wasn't his first <laughs> and so this is this is pre-repeal so this is 31 and her sister grace incidentally grace was busted in september 32 after a raid on a still in north hollywood so it looks like the family business was bootlegging liquor and uh daisy married a guy named leo uh stanek mm-hmm. i'm not sure i don't know what he did for a living but they they were apparently married until his death in 75 she's buried at Fourth Lawn. Wow. They're buried, they're buried together. So, you know, but, but Clara suffered the most, I mean, of anybody. And she, you know, she, she retired prematurely. I think she was kind of emotionally ready anyway. I think she was too. I, you know, she was tired just from her upbringing. Yeah. And then this, and then the hoopla with Daisy. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, she, for being this person who's been through so much, she really did okay for herself and she, she did remarkably well. and all I can say is I love Clara and I oh, smile when me. I see her pictures because she's so adorable and I can hear her Brooklyn accent and I love Clara <laughs> she's just so fabulous and you have so many great stories I hope you come oh, on and talk about oh, them Grace if you'll have me I'll come back I love <laughs> it because there's so many good ones I want to talk about uh, this is a funny one you guys we won't get into it but Clark Gable and his child. <laughs> That's a hoot. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. There's some there's some good ones. And I do I'm I'm working on a book now with um with the uh University uh Press of Kentucky mm-hmm. and it's on uh it's on crimes in in Los Angeles during the Prohibition era. Ooh. So there's gonna be some good stuff in there and I have a I have a story coming out in an anthology. Um, uh, I think it's, it's something like the best true crimes 
this one is the best true crime, best new true crime, partners in crime. And my story is, um, uh, what, is, what, did it, what did I call that one? Oh, I know. Um, the Wages of Sin. <laughs> so The Wages one. of Sin, The Wages of Sin, it's in, it's in this anthology. The editor is Missy Zaretto, and it, you can pre-order it now on Amazon, but it's not going to be out until January. Well, come so, on before then, because I do love talking about this kind of stuff. You know your stuff. I do, too. You I know do. your we, stuff, we girl. <laughs> we are, and I love it. True crime, classic Hollywood. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and you're <laughs> fabulous. Oh, tell us about the book you wrote, and I will also link you guys up with Joan's um, wonderful, deranged website. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, the book I wrote was it was a companion book to a, a photo exhibit I curated for the Central Library in downtown L.A. on my favorite, favorite ever female reporter. Yeah, you'll do uh, a lot on her. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Aggie Underwood. I absolutely adored Aggie. I never got to meet her in life, but I feel uh-huh. like I know I've met members of her family. And, and her, um, her son, both her son and daughter, lived well into their 90s and have only been gone just a few years now. And uh, her son once said, I think you know more about my mom than I do. My best but, um, did. But uh, Aggie, the, the book was it was a was a companion book to the, this um, photo exhibit. It's called The First with the Latest, Aggie Underwood, The Los Angeles Herald, and the Sordid Crimes of the City. Love and it. that's available on Amazon. That came out in 2016. So I will link you up with that, too, you guys. You. And yeah, um, but... her, you'll love her blog. She's a great writer. Thank you. And, <laughs> Thank you. Um, Subscribe to it. Maybe you guys will get on their subscription hey, listen, thing. If, if you if you bump in any trouble, like, I'm easy to find. Just email me. I will. Actually, crimes, and I'll get in there and tinker with it because I I don't know. Weird stuff happens. It, I know. It, 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 Who knows? I'm no big tech chick, you know. But I, I do the best I can. Okay. So thank you so much, Laura. Um, Joan. I had so much fun. I love. Oh, me too. And I love your blog, and I am excited for you to come back. I would love to talk about the Clark one next. That's so great. And um, Oh, I can't wait. And so, everybody, I know you love Joan, because I love Joan. This was so much fun. And thanks. Thanks, everybody. And I will, like I said, link you up to all Joan's stuff. And talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, Joan. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.